Good morning, church. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. You ready for a word this morning? Come on, are you ready for a word this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came for a word, so I'm excited for this opportunity. I have an amazing privilege. Um, my mom is here today, and she's going to be preaching. And I figured, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, everybody. I, I figured that I would just a little bit do a little Mother's Day thing for her. Um, most of you know her. She's uh, one of the leaders of, maybe the leader, one of the leaders of the women's ministry here. Uh, she is a principal at Parkside Elementary School. She is Pastor Tim's sister, and uh, she can bring the word. Um, I tell you, when we, were, when we were raised, she was the one that kept us all together, if you know what I mean. I mean, she, she is a type A perfectionist, excellent, excellent woman. And uh, when she has something to say, the kids listen. We perk up because we know mom knows what she's talking about. She's got some wisdom. She's got some years under her belt. And, and I, I want to honor mom as a... Uh, as a kid that looks up to my mom very much, um, you know, I honor both my parents so much. When I, when I was in high school, I'd walk down the steps for school, and both of them would be in that, that office reading the Word every morning. And it's just, just a beautiful thing to see. So uh, a life well-lived, a life well-living, I guess, and uh, I just want to, can we just uh, give it up for mom as she comes and thank you, mom. Love you. <laughs> Bless you. We're ready for the word. All right. Jeez. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is a tough, uh, tough act to follow being that the last few weeks, this pulpit has been on fire uh, with Pastor Tim and then last week with Dustin. And so... Uh, I, I've said this before, but I don't take it lightly, the opportunity to be able to share uh, with you all. You know what these are called? What are they called? Succulents. Say it, say it. Succulents. Yeah, they are succulents. And we have one of these out in the foyer for each of you uh, ladies, any ladies, even young and old, we probably have enough. Uh, but I just wanted to start with something a little bit funny because... Part of me wanted to put a tag on them that said to you, God says you don't S-U-C-C -C as a mother. But, and, and Tyler, your children's pastor said, go for it. And I said, no, we can't do that. Because see, I'm one of those Baptist Pentecostals. Is anybody else out there that still has that word? Do you still, raise your hand if you still have that word on the cuss word side. The S-U-C-K word is on the cuss word side. I mean, when I was a kid, I was lucky to call a lollipop a sucker. You know what I'm saying? So I had that on the cuss word side, and now like a lot of moderate Christians, new Christians, they've moved it over. It's on the darn, the heck, and the shoot side, and the gosh side, but it's still on the other side for me. So what it says instead is Happy Mother's Day, Psalm 20, verse 4, may he grant you your heart's desires and make your plans succeed, succeed. But, but if you're real and you think it would be more 
uh, impactful to the lies the enemy tells you. Yeah, yeah. To see this sitting on your windowsill and want to think instead of the non-PC correct version that God says you don't succulent as a mother, feel free. So take one of these when you leave. Take one of these when you leave. Anyway, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there who's a mother. Uh, Brooke maybe stole a little bit of my thunder on that, but it's such a privilege to be able to share with each of you, and again, I don't take it lightly. You know, uh, years ago I had this one thought, and the thought was that 26 letters, and I've shared it with you all that were, that were here and have heard me speak before, 26 letters can be rearranged in so many ways and, and can change someone's life. And I truly believe that with just rearranging 26 letters. That's all any book is, that's all any conversation is that's in the English language. It's 26 letters rearranged in a format that could actually change your life. And so when I get up to speak, that's the way I like to think, is that something that I could say today could be something, one little piece would be something that the Spirit would say to you that would change you and change the trajectory of your life. So anyway, it's kind of difficult because when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to people who, you know, I'm not, it's a Mother's Day supposed message, but I'm not speaking to all mothers. So I tried to think a variety of situations that you all could be in, and here's just a few. We could have new mothers. Is anyone out there, this is your first year getting to celebrate Mother's Day. This is your first year as a mother. Do we have anybody? I'm sure possibly someone online. Any new, brand new, first first-year mothers. All right, are you asleep? <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, um, yes. <laughs> Empty nest mothers, mothers of infants, toddlers, and teenagers. And then I was thinking, is there anybody that's all three? And I don't know, aren't you, Stephanie Cushman, a infant, toddler, teenager? Whoa, way to go, way to go, yes. Mothers of wayward children who've broken your heart in two. Uh, those who've lost their mother, possibly even this year. Uh, mothers who've lost a child. Those struggling with infertility, Brooke said the same thing there. Uh, those who know it's too late for them to ever experience being a mother. Uh, Mothers-to-be. Single parent mothers, stepmothers, mothers of adopted children or foster children. Those caring for a mother in failing health. Those with a mother who doesn't even remember them, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm sure there are situations that I didn't even address. And of course, I don't want to leave out all the young ladies who are not yet mothers, but they're sitting back and they're watching us try to show them what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a mother. Uh, so to you as well. And then besides all of those, we have some men out there. I think there's some men out there, right? Uh, young and old. And I know it can be hard to listen to a lady tell you what to do. Anyway, but it is Mother's Day. And uh, I do promise if you listen to at least part of the lesson, I will tell your lady to treat you nice, okay? So if you promise to listen, I'll tell her at the end to treat you nice. Let's, uh, we've already prayed, but let's pray um, as we move forward in the word and prepare our hearts. Lord, I thank you for every person that's gathered here in person or that may watch this eventually. 
God, you know our hearts. You know those who are hurting and uh, those who are searching and those who are just sitting here looking for an answer to some question in life. We pray, Lord, I would say no more or no less than what your spirit would want to say today in this gathering of people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, hats off to each of you. Uh, this has been a tough year. And uh, it's not just been a tough year for mothers. Let's be honest, for the entire planet. I mean, really, is that an exaggeration? Has this not been a tough year for the entire planet? When have you ever experienced anything that rocked the planet like what we've been through in this past year, besides perhaps a world war, which I've not um, had the experience of? So to varying degrees, we have all been touched by the effects of this pandemic. We've not just been touched, there's a lot of times things touch us indirectly, but this is something that I believe has touched every person directly. And so, um, but you know what? You're still here, you know? You're still here. Uh, give yourself a hand. You're still here. After a year of kind of hell on earth, uh, you're still here. And, um, you're still moving forward. And the last thing that I really wanted to do on Mother's Day was to talk about that C word, COVID. But I do feel like the Lord led me to a couple things. So it's only gonna be a few minutes in my message, but I do want to maybe bring some light as to why you may still be struggling to feel like it's, it's hard to recover. You're having a hard time and maybe you think you should be past some of the ways you're feeling. So I just wanted to, kind of put it in perspective and bring some clarity. Uh, everything about this pandemic really paralleled the plan of the enemy of our souls. And inside, I think that we were all torn and we struggled, we struggled. Um, we struggled with this question, at least I did. How do we balance the dichotomy of self-preservation and government mandates with Jesus' call for self-denial not being distracted by a spirit of fear and scriptural obedience. I mean, is that where most of you were this whole year, trying to figure this thing out? And we felt an urgency to protect others and ourselves physically by pulling back and isolating, but then inside you felt a stirring like, how can we do this? What if that person loses their soul? What if I lose my soul? I need people, people need me. And the dilemma was so real and dividing. Wasn't it dividing? Hasn't it been so dividing? The dilemma has been confusing and it's been very heavy, very heavy. And I'm not being political or even critical and only history is gonna tell how we manage this unknown. I mean, and it was an unknown. So you can't judge anyone trying to manage it because it's been unknown. And looking back, we'll have different thoughts, right? But nonetheless, here are some reasons why I think it may have been even harder on Christians. And again, I'm only gonna take a few minutes on this, but I want you to think about why you may have been struggling more than someone around you. Because, listen, we were asked to smile at people through a masked face while the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we who with unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord. 
We were asked to wave to our grandmothers at a distance from outside their house or nursing home window, and yet the scripture tells us in James 1.27 that religion in its purest sense draws close to the orphan and the widow. We were told not to gather together, and scripture told us in Hebrews 10.25, don't give up meeting together, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We were told to keep our distance from those who were sick, and scripture told us in Mark 16, 17 to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. We stood back as family members were hospitalized and even died. We couldn't stand near their bed in their time of deepest need. And yet scripture said in Proverbs 17, 17, a brother is born for adversity. We went to funerals when allowed and stood at a distance as our heart desired to reach out with a hug. Scripture said in Romans 12, 15, to rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. We did community from a device as each body part of the body of Christ tried to connect with other parts through a keyboard while we sat alone on a couch and it came up distant and empty. If that wasn't enough, all the while the world was turning upside down, brother against brother, division, violence, you couldn't run and find refuge in the church and yell sanctuary as his presence would envelop you as you stood with your brothers and sisters together through this hardest time in your life. There was no breaking bread through communion, no baptism, no joining hands with another believer and no singing, no singing. And the entire time, if you were like me, your heart was crying out like the 12 year old Jesus, I must be in my father's house. And that's why you're battle weary, my brother and sister. That's why you're struggling. That's why it's hard to come back. But as I said before, take heart, you're still here. You're still here and after all that, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to you, Jesus, and it, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So that's all I have for COVID. That's all I have. But I wanted to kind of put it in perspective if you're struggling to move forward. And I thought, Lord, it's Mother's Day and I wanna be light and I wanna be encouraging and I wanna be funny. I wanna throw in a Tim Wharton story or two. I, I think there's one at the end, last minute ent intro. But anyway, uh, if nothing else, look, just look at our pool. We've got this giant monstrosity that he's building beside my tranquil pool with a rock wall and it, it's gonna be cool. But anyway, as I tried to be funny and I wanna be light, I kept being pushed back to urgency, to um, road out ahead, road out ahead, caution, caution, caution. And then another voice would say, Tracy, you are way too intense. And yes, I talked to myself like that. And you know, truly a lot of times I need to hear those words from me or Tim saying, you are way too intense because I do live that way. But as I was preparing this message, um, and I was thinking, am I way too intense? Am I way too intense? I saw an article about another national pastor that had resigned due to infidelity. And then I saw a Facebook post 
from a woman bragging about the new me and all her weight loss, and uh, now she's got a new he, and she's left her old he, and then I had a mother come up to me, a mother of an elementary student, with tears in her eyes, and she told me how the elementary classmates are talking about how one of their elementary classmates is searching for her sexuality and uh, not sure. And the, the little girl said to her mother, I don't know, Mom, I'm not sure where she is. Uh, she hasn't changed her pronouns yet. And then I thought, this is elementary. Mm. And there is an urgency and you have to be urgent. And the battle is real, the war is real, the enemy is real, and the heart is deceitful above all things. So happy Mother's Day. Here we go. <laughs> when Dustin spoke last week, um, I felt the same urgency. And really, all of my kids seem to have that. It's, I guess it's been inherited from us. And um, I was thinking back to a story of when Brooke was in seventh grade and uh, middle school. And one of her friends was um, dating. What did you guys call it in middle school? Talking. Ta oh, talk, talking. They were talking. So one of her friends, they were in seventh grade and it, you know, it went seventh to eighth and they were talking. And so her friend was talking to an eighth grader. And um, Brooke said to her friend, what are you gonna do when he goes to high school next year? And her friend said, Brooke, I'm not gonna be with him next year. And uh, Brooke looked at me like, how could that be? Like, and I said, Brooke, we're different. We think different. We think different. And so later, uh, Brooke was dating someone in high school. And uh, she said, uh, to, she had dated this boy just a real short time, or she talked to him. I don't know what she did. But anyway, uh, she looked at him one day, and she said to him, I don't think this is going to work because I don't think we have the same priorities in our life. And he looked at her, and he said, priorities? What are you talking about? I'm 15 years old. I don't even think about priorities. And I said to Brooke, Brooke, we're different. We think different. And then later, uh, Brooke was in high school, and it's, it sounds like you really got around, Brooke. I know you didn't, but anyway. <laughs> Brooke was in high school and dated another one that was wrong. Anyway, I told her they were wrong, but anyway. Um, anyway, it was usually to dress up for a dance is when she dated them. But anyway, um, so uh, she was at the end of the evening with this guy, and... Um, she told me when she came home, she said, and this is funny, the guy looked at her and he said, you are definitely the kind of girl that I want to marry, but you're not the kind I want to date. <laughs> and I said, Brooke, that's because we're different. We think different. And that was okay. And you know, Tim and I always told our kids this, every date is a potential mate. Any of you old enough to remember that? Did anyone hear that slogan before? Every date is a potential mate. Yeah, you old church people like me. And it's still a good one. And the heart is too important not to guard who we let enter. 
And we also taught them that there's a real enemy, and just like that C word, I won't say it again, the enemy divides, he isolates, and he has no mercy. Just like that C word, remember how we would ask in this past year about underlying conditions? Did they have an underlying condition? Well, you know what? We all have an underlying condition, and that's where he attacks us. It's our sin nature. The Bible tells us it's underneath all our prettiness. Underneath the prettiness is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the enemy will go in and he will attack our underlying condition. When a marriage falls apart, when the child goes wayward, when a person turns to addiction, we can always ask the same question. What was the underlying condition? Like Dustin said last week, we have an adversary that's been training, and he's been training a very long time. You know, the Bible says, I don't know if it's Paul or who says it, but somebody says, we're not unaware of his schemes. But I would like to say to the American church today that as many years as this enemy has used the same scheme to split marriages, to split churches, to split lives, we are unaware of his schemes. We've lost focus of the same, uh, the same scheme over and over and over, destroying, destroying, destroying lives and families. And you know what? He will steal and he will kill and he will destroy. And he's always looking for a place to put his foot. His foot. It's called a foothold. So knowing this and knowing that each of us is in a different place, I also know one thing we have in common, that we all can use some motherly advice. So every day and on mother, Mother's Day, we always need someone who can sit us on their knee, symbolically, or even over our knee, sometimes we need that, right? And tell us wise words that can save us. You know, Joyce Meyer is 78 years old. How many of you know Joyce Meyer? You've seen Joyce Meyer. I'm always amazed to see how many young women take their weekend to travel to see an old lady, sometimes now even sitting on a stool. And um, she tells them things that are very tough to hear. Have you ever wondered that? Uh, she tells them things like, you are too valuable, young woman, to sell yourself short and give yourself to a man who doesn't think you're worthy for him to commit to you with a covenant of marriage. She says stuff like that. And they still come. And they still come. Because you know why? I believe in America that there's a mama gap and a grandma gap and a mentor gap. And I think young ladies are hungry for someone who will tell them the right way. Too many mothers and grandmas were raised by broken mothers and grandmas who are still working so much on their own stuff that they don't feel worthy or ready to help the next generation with their stuff. And the cycle continues and the vacuum is present. But unfortunately, time doesn't stand still and wait for us to be fixed for the next generation because they have to navigate their stuff. All the while, this whole thing is not. We need somebody who will say, and cares enough to say, hey lady, this whole thing is not about finding yourself. 
This whole thing is about us showing young women how the sacrificial life of a, of a mother and a wife done God's way will bring the truest fulfillment and happiness and will break the curses on our marriages for the next generation and the next generation. And the blessing will be on your children and your children and your children. We need women that are willing to do that, not because they're fixed, because if it doesn't come from us, they're not gonna get it. Uh, 30 years ago, about 30, maybe more, I was a young mother, all right? And I was a non-traditional, so I'm a mother and I'm at FSU and I'm taking a class. And the class that I'm taking is called Contemporary Ethical Issues. In today's world, it might have been called uh, cancel culture, okay? It was called Contemporary Ethical Issues. But one of the topics was abortion. And I was, I'm sorry this isn't a three-point message. It just didn't turn out that way. But anyway, and I was alone, or at least I felt alone. It was me against a female teacher, and I thought the rest of the class, because they were quiet. And uh, the article we were reading was about, um, it was relative, it was about the, the mother's rights relative to abortion. And the class uh, had given all the arguments, but in this article, it talked about a woman who got an abortion because she had, I mean, you know, you had all the, you know, the, the, white, the, the threat to the life of the mother and all the things that, you know, some people would say are more valid points for abortion. But this, this article in particular was about a, a woman who had a trip planned to Europe in the summer. And so she aborted her baby so that her trip would not be ruined. All right, now I'm sitting in a class, this is 30 years ago, in a class, and um, that bothered me. And that stirred me. And I spoke up, and my heart was beating loudly. And I said to my professor, isn't that what the love of a mother is? Sacrifice? Isn't being a mother giving of yourself for the life of another? And you know, she looked at me in the eyes in front of all that class, and she said, like she pitied me, she looked at me and she said, but what about you, Tracy? But what about your happiness? But what about your life? She looked at me and she said that 30 years ago, that is the world view. Do you think that it's gotten, gotten any better? that we can even take a chance to not be urgent with our daughters and our sons. Scripture says, listen to this scripture, Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Moms, dads, ladies, gentlemen, don't wait until you are ready, until you are perfect. You tell this next generation what you did wrong, and you be vulnerable. You tell them your regrets so that they don't have to make the same mistake as you. Uh, we were talking in life group this week, and uh, one of the members brought this scripture up, and you've probably heard this scripture before. It's Luke 22, 31 and 32, and it goes like this. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, 
But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now, you've probably heard that part of the scripture. Jesus prayed for him that his faith wouldn't fail. But guess what? He still failed. I believe this is the part Jesus was praying for him. Listen, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. He didn't say, you're going to mess up three times and that's it for your chance to help anyone else. He said, you're going to fall, and a matter of fact, at least every Easter, every church for the next 2,000 years is going to talk about how you messed up, Peter. And that's true, right? But hey, you use your failures to strengthen your brothers. Out the door with excuses, you are not disqualified. You are now qualified to show them how God can restore, how God can use in spite of what you've been through, what you've done, and how you've messed up. Can I pretend to be sitting here in a rocking chair and be your mother, be your grandmother, be someone who either told you or didn't tell you. If you're somebody who you're trying to navigate this thing on your own, I mean, you've, you don't have an example. You didn't have an example. You didn't have someone. You know, Dustin says he walked down the steps and his mom and dad are praying. I didn't have that. I had my mom and dad working Got, got saved at a young age. They got saved at a young age and they did take us to church, but I didn't have that exact example. They were growing in their faith, so I didn't have that example. So he had an easier place perhaps to start than many of you sitting here. But you can be that person for the next generation or the next generation. Um, so I just want you to listen a minute. This is a long scripture. It's Proverbs uh, 3, and you may have heard it before. But I want you to listen to this as if you're a child, okay? And you have a caring parent caring enough about you to speak to you like this every day of your life. Listen. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never, never let loyalty, I mean, you stick with people and kindness, you be nice no matter how, one, how anyone treats you. Never let them leave you. You tie that stuff around your neck so it dings like a bell and you hear it. Write them deep in your heart. Then, listen, then, my child, you will find favor with God and people. And you will have a good reputation. Trust the Lord with all your heart. All of it. Trust him. He can be trusted. You've watched him in my life. Young man, he can be trusted. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't you go trying to figure this whole thing out because you're not going to be able to do it. You seek his will. You seek his will in all you do, and he's going to show you which path to take. Don't be impressed 
with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then listen, you'll have healing in your body and strength for your bones. You honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part. You give him the best part of everything that you produce, that you produce, and then he, he does this. He fills your barns with grain and your vats to overflow with good wine. My child, don't you reject God's discipline. Don't reject God's discipline. Listen, why? Don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves. He loves you. Just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights, joyful is the person who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. For wisdom, listen, it's going to give you more profit than any stock market. Wisdom is more profitable than silver. And the wages, oh, better than any paycheck, any paycheck. It's more precious than any jewel. Wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing. There is nothing, no matter how hard you try, nothing you desire will ever compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths and all her ways are satisfying. That's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Bible. Bible, yeah, Bible. I learned that when I was little. Did you learn that when you were little? Maybe you didn't, but maybe it's inside of you. Imagine if that's the mother you are. You're talking about him. You're not necessarily talking about you. You're telling them about him because you know what? When we mess up, he's perfect. He's perfect. And when we point them to him, he fills in the gaps and he fixes our mess. Isn't there an urgency in that scripture? Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs that wisdom cries out in the streets? It cries out in the streets. Dustin asked about a favorite scripture. I'm taking long, sorry. Um, and, and, and this is one of mine. It's Luke 2.52. It's one of the only scriptures about Jesus's uh, life before his ministry, Luke 2.52. I actually have found old journals where I have this scripture um, prayed over my kids when they were in my womb. I would pray this every day, Lord, we pray that they would grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now that kind of sounds crazy, but I prayed that from the time they were in the womb. Could you truly want anything more for yourself or your kids than for them to grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man? Uh, wisdom is, uh, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is how to appropriately put into practice what you know. Stature is physical health and well-being. And I actually would pray for my kids beautiful inside and out. I would always pray, Lord, bless them beautiful inside and out. And I think he's heard that prayer. Um, favor with God, which is walking in spiritual health, hearing the Father saying, this is my beloved child, in him I am well pleased. And then favor with man, prosperous relationships, respectful to authority, unexpected opportunities coming your way. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. When I first started preparing this lesson, I started 
thinking that I was going to give everybody a small card. And on that card, it was going to say, which is the, which is the name of this message, actions speak louder than once. And what I was going to have you do is to write down a want for each of those areas in your life. So, you know, we'll just do it mentally, but here would be the four questions that I'd like you to ask yourself. And, and, and if you don't do it this today, I mean, I want you to do it mentally today, but it would be even more amazing if sometime this week you would ask yourself these four questions and truly write down what you do want, all right? So the question would be, what do you want in your life right now? Or if you were looking back on your life from the end to now, what do you wanna see happen in your life intellectually? I usually keep like our career in that, in the intellectual part, you know, it, intellectually, growing, learning, wh where do you wanna be there, hobbies, etc. You know, what is your want for that? Um, and then what do you want in your life physically? You know, Dustin said last week, you know, someone might say, I can't lose weight, I can't this, I can't that. What do you want physically? What do you want physically? What do you want spiritually? Where do you wanna be spiritually? And then finally, what do you want in your life relationally? What do you want for your marriage? What do you want for your children relationally? You know, I think if I had to say what I want for my marriage would be that it, at 50 years, at 50 years that I could say that I'm more in love with my spouse than I was at the age of 16 years old. Amen. I mean, that would be a goal. You know, that would be a real, a real goal. And so far, we're doing good. So far, we're doing real, we're doing real well, at least today. <laughs> we'll if you finish that little thing by the pool, it'd be even better. But anyway, just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, what do you really want in your heart of hearts? So take a minute and say la, you know, think about it. What do you really want? Now, here's the real question. In the past week, let's just go week, but we could expand it if you need me to expand it to the past month. Is there any intentional action, any intentional action that you have done to move yourself forward in any of those four ones. Any intentional action that you have done to move yourself toward those ones. You know, Galatians 6, 7, listen to this scripture. Back in Jesus' days, they really understood this whole idea of you reap what you sow. Whatever you plant in this field is what's grow, going to grow in this field. Galatians 6, 7 says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Actions speak louder than once. Remember the story of the wise and foolish builder? The only difference in the story was that one heard the word and put it into practice. The other one just heard. The only difference, the storm came, the winds blew, the floods rose. The only difference between the wise and the foolish builder was what they did with what they heard and the actions that they did. Physical wants. Have you ever looked at Dustin's physique and said, must be nice? Ha 
Okay, you haven't. I have. You have anyway. Or you see a doctor with a fancy car and a big house and you say it must be nice. Well, you know what? That's not how they got what they got. All right? That's not how it happens. Once in a while, someone wins the lottery and they get this giant house and then you see they don't have any idea how to take care of it and they lose the whole thing. But most of the time, it's because someone chose to take a journey, to put other things aside, like Dustin, who gets up at 5 a.m. and plants weights and harvests physique, and I come home from work and eat my chocolate and harvest not physique, but anyway, I'm trying dust, I'm trying, I don't, I try not to excuse it, but it's, anyway, I was a physics major when I started uh, school, and then I didn't like to get B's, and so I moved to an elementary major, uh, so anyway, uh, but I did learn in physics that there's something called entropy, have any of you heard of entropy? It's a law of thermal, thermodynamics, and it's a universal law, and you know what, God, God sent some laws that won't bend. Somehow we think he bends. And there are some things like if you jump off a roof, you, you are not gonna break his gravity. Do you understand? Okay. So this is one of the laws and it's a law of entropy. And it says this, that all systems in the universe go toward disorder unless energy is put into them. A puzzle doesn't put itself together, a room doesn't clean itself, leaves don't blow, sometimes they blow in a pile, but most of the time they don't blow because they need energy and it takes work. It takes work to organize a system or to grow a system or to make it better. We had a marriage conference a few weeks ago and Craig Grishel said to us, some of us attended that, it was virtual, and he said this, you never have a good marriage by accident. You never have a good marriage by accident. He challenged each couple to pray with each other one minute a day. He might have even said 30 seconds, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one minute a day, okay? There are 1,440 minutes in a day, and there are 10,000, listen, there are 10,080 minutes in your week and my week. And Craig Groeschel challenged us to pray with each other for one minute a day. That would be seven minutes, that's, Seven hundredths of one percent spent on our marriage. Seven hundredths of one percent spent on our marriage. And that's if it was uh, 60 seconds. If it's 30, it's way less. And after the session ended, the couples at my house, and they're amazing couples, and, you know, my family and some others, great couples, we sat and we spent time talking about how difficult that's going to be. I mean, we really, we really did. We're just being honest. We talked about how difficult that's going to be. You guys been watching American Idol? Have you guys watched American? You caught up? You caught up on This Is Us? Have you um, binge watched uh, The Office or watched it a second time through yet? You know why I'm asking these questions, right? Because we're American Christians. I'm an American Christian, just like you. I'm caught up. I haven't watched The Office, but I'm caught up on, on, on This Is Us and American Idol. But I don't know if I have seven minutes. I, mean, I don't know if I have seven minutes to pray with my spouse. Yet Matthew 18, 19 says this. Jesus says this. 
I tell you, if two of you would agree here on this earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. In the amount of time it takes a Keurig, are you listening to me? In the amount of time it takes your Keurig to run a cup of coffee through, we could possibly change the trajectory of our lives and the lives of the next generation. I heard a podcast this week regarding time management. And the leader, the teacher with Craig Gershaw's name was Rory Vader. And he talked about the difference between task by looking at ones that are, here's how we look at our task when we're talking about our time. Importance, urgency, significance. Importance is how soon something matters. Got to get this done. Importance is how big a deal is this? How important is this? Significance, listen what significance means. How will what I'm doing now affect tomorrow and affect the future? Something that you may think is of very little value today, if it's affecting the future, it's way more powerful for our time. Let's look at our, what well we are expecting to harvest a good marriage. We're looking every day to, for a harvest of intimacy, but unfortunately, much of our planning lacks urgency, importance, or even significance. What we've planted is our phones, or TVs, golf, sports, careers, hobbies, etc. Let's just look at our phones. Or I should say, let's not look at our phones. <laughs> Listen to this. You've heard this before. Maybe not. Let it sink in today. I mean, I am just, uh, while I'm sitting there, if you want to make sure I'm not a hypocrite, while I'm sitting there, my phone said, you had four hours and 72 minutes of, you know, it told me that I failed the test too this week. But anyway, just listen to this. Most mobile users check their phones around 63 times daily. That's four times every waking hour. Americans spend an average screen time, Americans spend an average screen time of 5.4 hours on their mobile devices. Social media, the important stuff, right? Two hours and 24 minutes average. Millennials, those people 25 to 40, 13% of them spend over 12 hours a day on their phone. Baby boomers, boomers 57 to 75 spend five hours using their phones. And the top 10% of heavy phone us users touch their phones 5,427 times a day. And this one, the average American spends 38 minutes on Facebook every day, but we can't take a minute. We take a minute for our marriage? Our marriage. One minute? Mm -mm. Because we just can create whatever we want in our head and then say it didn't work. God, it didn't work. Didn't work, God. It did not work. Actions speak louder than once. Jesus said, to the paralyzed man who'd been laying right beside the healing water for 38 years. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Can you let the Holy Spirit ask you and me the same question today? Do you want to? And then fill in the blank with the four things that you said you wanted. The man said to Jesus, yes, but, yes, but, Yes, but other, yes, but I, yes, but. 
And Jesus said, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you want to lay paralyzed and stuck and blame everyone else? Or do you want to let Jesus help you get well? If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm ending, Paul said, Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called Jews and Greeks, listen to this part, Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. So you're here and you don't know what to do. And you say, I don't have the power. I don't think I can do this. I don't have the wisdom. I don't know how to do this. And yet, 1 Corinthians says, Christ is the power and Christ is the wisdom and Christ is your answer. Can I be real practical with you? Have you even asked God? Last week, Dustin used the scripture that said, God can do exceedingly more than all we can ask or imagine. Most of us have spent a whole lot of time imagining. We imagine the perfect marriage. We imagine the perfect this. We imagine the, but have we asked? Have we stopped and asked God to help us? Um, I wish I had more time, but I, I've been married, what, 33? I think it's 33. We dated four more, so it's only taken, it took this paralyzed man 38 years to figure it out. I, I've done, I learned something in 37, and here's what I learned. We have certain things that we fight over, over, and over, and over, and over, and I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know what to do, and we have a great marriage, but there's certain, like, impasse that we have all the time. And um, you know what the Lord said to me a few months ago? Do you really want to fix this? Do you really want to fix it? Because you're smart. You're a smart lady. And that's how he talks to me, because that's how I would talk to you. And he says, figure it out. Do something. So you know what I did? I downloaded a book. I downloaded an e-book on communicating in marriage. And guess what I found out? I found out that I'm an analytical communicator. I bet you're shocked at that. I'm an analytical communicator, and he, this is what, this was my new news, is an intuitive communicator, okay? So his thinking is that I, I want to solve the problem. But his thinking is, he wants to tell me this big picture and leave out all the details. He's, he's a big picture. He's a dreamer, okay? So when he tells me the dream, my problem is, I tell him what he left out. I tell him, if he says, we ought to go to Alaska on a cruise, my first thinking isn't, oh, that's cool. My first thinking is, how are we paying for it? What time of year? Are you taking off work? And so my, what's happened in our marriage is that what I think is what I should do as a communicator, 
I'm totally wrong. He sees it as I'm stealing his dream, right? I'm messing up his dream. So he had some, we had something the other day and he brought this big dilemma kind of thing to me about the boys working out and how he's so competitive and his shoulder hurts. And if he works out with the boys that he'll probably try to beat them and his shoulder's gonna hurt and he don't know what he should do and da 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 da. And he wants to spend time with the boys. And so I looked at him and I said, do you want me to fix it or do you just want me to listen? And he said, I don't know. I really don't know. And so I thought, look, we've grown. It's only taken us 37 years for me to figure out why he thinks I'm just a jerk and why I think he just, you left out a lot, right? I mean, I'm a problem solver. I'm a principal. I got to fix this thing. But anyway, um, just showing you that we're all working through this together, um, finishing up with this. I actually have, I, here's the question I'd like you to just, just, just bow your heads and, and um, I'd like you to just ask God right now. I mean, we're all in this together. I am not standing here as someone perfect. I can tell you one thing. God has just shown me things as I've been walking and I have tried to listen. I have tried to listen. He gives me, a, 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 I see other people and I see things that I don't want to happen and I just ask God to help me. I'm so far from perfect. Lord, I need wisdom. Just say that in your heart. Say that out loud, whatever you want to do. Lord, I need wisdom. And Lord, what is one intentional action that I can take this week to move toward blank? What is one intentional action that I can take this week to move toward blank? Mm. I have a friend who sets a reminder on her phone to say something nice to her husband when he walks in the door. Sounds silly, but that's a big deal. I mean, that's really a big deal. Um, I think the Orndorff family has a screen-free night, don't you? Do you still do that? Screen-free night? Screen-free night. When I'm down in children's church and I would ask someone to pray, Miss Caroline sure can pray. She sure can pray, because priorities. Mm. Tyler and Christine Wharton have six kids, seventh on the way. The babies know their memory verse, and they're on the front row for two services. That's intentional. That's the understanding of significance. Lord, we come to you today we cannot do this in our own strength. Lord, we are a truly, truly paralyzed man laying beside some stirring water, stirring water that's been stirring right beside us, and we don't even know how to move our bodies to get in there. We don't even know, Lord. But you promised us that if we lacked wisdom, we could ask God who gives generously to all without pointing out our faults. And he will do that, and you will do that, Lord. And I pray today would be a life change for young ladies. I pray that today would be a life change for older ladies who have felt like they can't even speak into their daughter's life or their granddaughter's life because they're a failure. I pray that you would not allow that lie to continue in their minds. And I pray for men, the same thing, God, that you would use them to be mentors to the young men Lord, bring our marriages together. Lord, help us not to be satisfied. Lord, I lift myself up as a mother and a wife, 
Help us to realize that part of motherhood is training our young women to be a wife by our actions and the things that we demonstrate. Help us to stop making excuses as if it's okay because the results can be devastating. Jesus, how we need you. Jesus, how we need you. Have your way in this place.